Hello, my friends, and welcome. Thank you in particular for all of the wonderful responses that I got from so many of you about last week's episode devoted to Delcina Stevenson. I'm happy to report that both Delcina and her son Brian were thrilled with the episode, and perhaps you've come to the podcast through having heard about it from them. Wherever you've come from, welcome to all of you whether new listeners or old friends. It was another sad week in the opera world. Last Saturday, my good friend, the coach and pianist, Tom Morocco, died unexpectedly. I reached out to him after I published my birthday episode in honor of Adele Addison. He had worked with her and was one of the few people who was still in active touch with her. I had a wonderful lunch with him, his partner Thomas, and his little dog Giacomo at a neighborhood Chinese restaurant in New York, my first trip back in nearly three years. Turned out that we had a lot of stuff in common. Another of his favorite friends and colleagues was the Canadian contralto Maureen Forrester, and we were planning on doing an episode together in which he was going to talk about her and countless other singers that we discussed that day at lunch. Alas, that now is not going to happen, but I did want to feature Tom and Maureen Forrester in a live performance from the year 1989 of the first and last songs from Francis Poulenc's cycle on poems by Paul Éluard, La Fraîcheur et le Feu. Deepest condolences to Tom's partner, Thomas, and to all whose lives were touched by this wonderful man. The day before Tom died, there was another loss 
that reverberated through the opera community. That was the death of the soprano Wilhelmina Fernandez at the age of 75. This is another loss that is very keenly felt as she was a beloved colleague of many listeners to the podcast. I did not know her personally, but she's no doubt most familiar for her appearance in the 1981 film Diva, in which she performed a Benne Andro Lontana from La Vallée. She also was a fantastic Aida and made some wonderful solo albums as well. Eventually, she stepped back from her career as a performer to devote herself to a new career as a special education teacher. It gave me great joy this week, although tinged with sadness, to listen to one of her solo recordings, an album of Gershwin songs made with pianist George Darden in the year 1983. I'd like to offer you just a glimpse of her singing, This is Someone to Watch Over Me. Rest in peace, Wilhelmina Fernandez, and condolences to all that held her dear. This recording used to be very readily available, but it doesn't seem to be on YouTube anywhere. So this week, for my Patreon listeners, I'm going to offer the complete LP as a bonus episode. And speaking of Patreon, I would also like to welcome Boyd as my newest supporter, If you want to join Boyd and the growing number of supporters on Patreon, please go to patreon.com slash countermelody, where you can make a monthly or a yearly pledge. And 
where you will be able to dip into all the bonus material that I have posted there. Nearly 100 episodes now, including the forthcoming Wilhelmina Fernandez episode, as well as one directly relating to this week's forgotten diva, Gwendolyn Killebrew. And now, without another moment's hesitation, let's head in to this week's episode. Hello, my dear listeners. You found your way to Counter Melody, and I couldn't be more delighted to welcome you to my podcast. Once again, and as always, I'm your host, Daniel Gundlach, and I'm here to present to you the finest exponents, both renowned and less well-known, of the art of song. Sometimes it just seems as if the world has turned completely upside down, but it is my fervent hope, even in these difficult times, that the artists I present here may brighten our path with their luminous voices and inspire us on our search toward a better and more hopeful future. And now, this week's episode. recording of A Dispetto d'un Volto Ingrato from Handel's Tamerlano, in which John Moriarty led the chamber orchestra of Copenhagen. This was a time when Handel's operas were not so widely performed, and Gwendolyn Killebrew, in the early years of her career, performs the title role breathtakingly. It's interesting to hear her in such florid repertoire, because... She became more associated with the dramatic mezzo repertoire, particularly Wagner, in which I think she was almost without peer. I mentioned that this recording from 1970 is from the early years of her career. Let's go back even a little further to a rare recording that I happen to have in my collection of the final round of the International Voice Competition in Montreal from the summer of 1967. 
On that release, Gwendolyn Killebrew sings Azie from Ravel's Scheherazade, and I'm going to play you the final portion of that song. We hear Otto Werner Müller leading the Montreal Symphony Orchestra.
Azi, an excerpt from Sherazad by Ravel, was sung by Miss Gwendolyn Killebrew of the United States, winner of the third prize of $2,500 at the International Vocal Competition of Montreal. Because that release is such a rare find, and because I happen to have a copy of it in my collection, albeit the second LP somewhat damaged, In the next couple days, I'm going to publish this as a bonus episode as well. Not only does it feature Gwendolyn Killebrew in two selections, it also features arias sung by the other prize winners, Vladimir Atlantov, Yuri Mazurok, and Marina Krilovich, all of whom, along with Killebrew, went on to have major international careers. Now, an in-depth look Uh, today's forgotten diva. Gwendolyn Killebrew, like Wilhelmina Fernandez, was born in Philadelphia on the 26th of August 1941. She received her training as a music teacher and music therapist at Temple University. Shortly thereafter, she attended the Juilliard School, where she studied voice and opera theater. Her teachers included Hans Heinz, and the stage director, Christopher West. In 1965, she attended the Aspen School, where she made her operatic debut as the mother in Stravinsky's Mavra. Soon thereafter, she began winning competitions, including the Montreal one that we just heard a sample of a few minutes ago. She made her Met debut the same year that she won the Montreal competition, singing the role of Waltraute, in Wagner's Valkyrie, in a new production that was conducted and directed by Herbert von Karajan. She immediately began making guest appearances at opera companies such as San Francisco, La Monnaie, the Opera Company of Boston, and in 1968 at the Bayerische Staatsoper in Munich, where she sang the role of Carmen. She had an enormously wide repertoire that ranged from Monteverdi and Cavalli through to the most thorny contemporary operas, and we're going to hear all of that type of music sampled on today's episode. First, let's hear from a recording that was published at the time of her death on YouTube that does not identify the venue or the company with which she's performing. But this is Emilio de Cavalieri's sacred opera, Rappresentazione di Anima e di Corpo. This work is still at the fringes of the repertoire, but was revived in the late 60s and has received a number of different productions and recordings since then. Here, Gwendolyn Killebrew performs the short arioso of the allegorical figure Vita Mondana, Earthly Life, Io son la cara vita.
since Leonard Bernstein is the man of the hour these days, we should also note that Killebrew made a number of early appearances with Leonard Bernstein in concert and on recordings. From Tanglewood in the summer of 1977, we have a recording of Gwendolyn Killebrew performing under Bernstein's baton, Et Exultavit, from Bach's Magnificat. For a period in the late 1970s, Gwendolyn Killebrew made a number of significant quote-unquote cameo appearances on some important recordings. We're going to sample three of those in a row. First, from a live performance at Carnegie Hall in the spring of 1977 that was later issued on commercial LP. We hear Gwendolyn Killebrew in the role of Tigrana in Puccini's second opera, Edgar. This is not a frequently performed work, and it is one of his few operas in which there is a star part for mezzo-soprano. Tigrana represents the evils of lust and sexual abandon. And at the rather precipitous end of the opera, she spontaneously stabs the soprano heroine Fidelia. 
Here, from the second act, she sings alongside Carlo Bergonzi the duet Quel che sognava un di, under the baton of Eve Queller, leading the opera orchestra of New York. Another cameo appearance by Killebrew from around that time was on James Levine's 1976 recording of Giordano's Andrea Chenier. This recording, like the Edgar, also starred Renata Scotto. Killebrew is here heard singing the role of the blind old woman named Madelone, who shows up 
to offer her grandson as a fighter for the French resistance. We also hear in this recording baritone Cheryl Milne's Since the role of Madelone is often given to over-the-hill, nearly retired dramatic mezzos or even sopranos, Killebrew's performance is probably the most beautifully sung version that I've ever heard, and it's also quite movingly characterized. In the year 1981, 
Gwendolyn Killebrew appeared on a recording of Jaromir Weinberger's opera Schwanda Dudek, Schwanda the Bagpiper, here recorded in German as Schwanda der Dudelsackpfeifer. In this recording, which features Hermann Prey, Lucia Pop, Sigmund Ninskern, and other standbys of the era, she performs the role of the Queen under the baton of Heinz Wahlberg, leading the Münchner Rundfunk Orchester. This is an opera that David and I actually saw at the Komische Oper here in Berlin a few years ago, and it is a complete and utter delight. At the beginning of the second act, the queen is suffering a major bout of depression, and Schwanda shows up and rouses her from her gloom. When she expresses interest in him, she is displeased to find that his fiancée Dorotka has followed him to her kingdom and is crying out for him, and she turns on Schwanda and demands that he be led away. Ein König, wie man sich in Wünsch, 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 ein König
Another Czech opera, and one that has actually entered the standard repertoire now, is Antonin Dvorak's Rusalka. The excerpt that we're going to hear is from the third act of the opera. This is a passionate duet between Rusalka and the witch known as Yejibaba. Rusalka cries out to her that she wishes no longer to be human, that she wishes to once again return to being a water nymph. This is a live radio recording with Teresa Stratus in the title role and Bohumil Gregor leading the Netherlands Broadcast Orchestra.
I am of the opinion that Gwendolyn Killebrew's very best work is in her performances of the mezzo-soprano parts of Richard Wagner. From the year 1976 through 2006, Killebrew was a member of the ensemble of the Deutsche Oper am Rhein, based in Düsseldorf and Duisburg. The same year that she became a member of the Deutsche Oper, she also performed in the now legendary production of The Ring at Bayreuth. This production, directed by Patrice Chéreau and conducted by Pierre Boulez, became known as the Jahrhundertsring because it celebrated the 100th anniversary of the Tetralogy. At the time, the production was enormously controversial and at the premiere was greeted by vehement booing. By the time the production was filmed for posterity four years later, those boos had turned into cheers, and now that production is seen as being just as central to the history of Wagner production as are the post-war productions directed by Wieland Wagner. Killebrew performed several roles in that ring, most importantly that of Waltraute in Goethe-Dämmerung. I'm not going to play it for you today, but there's a reason for that. First of all, it's something you really must see to fully appreciate. She is such a supreme actor. She is a mistress of doing almost nothing, maintaining a calm center, every gesture fully intentional and carefully thought out, yet still giving the illusion of complete spontaneity. The interaction between Killebrew as Waltraute and Gwyneth Jones, another superb actor as Brunhilde, must be seen to be believed. And not only that, but Killebrew's singing of this and her other Wagner parts, at its best, can be compared to the work of Christa Ludwig and Brigitte Fassbender. Through stasis, she made her strongest points, and this was true over the course of her entire engagement over more than 30 years with the Deutsche Oper am Rhein as well. I would like to play some Wagner for you, though, and this is Killebrew's assumption of the role of Fricka in the first quote-unquote day of the ring, Die Valkyrie. In the second act, an enraged Fricka, who is the goddess of marriage, confronts her husband Wotan with having allowed Siegmund and Sieglinde, a pair of incestuous twins, to consummate their illicit passion for each other. Here she is confronting Wotan in an excerpt from that scene between the two of them, beginning with the words, So ist es denn aus mit den ewigen Göttern. This is a live performance from Dallas in December 1981, in which the orchestra is led by the Croatian maestro Berislav Klobuchar. Thank you. 
During her years at the Deutsche Oper, Killebrew portrayed a wide range of roles, including some in operas less well-known. One of the most exciting of those operas is by the Swiss composer Ottmar Schoek, who did an operatic adaptation of the drama by Heinrich von Kleist called Penthesilea. This is a tragedy centered around the Amazon warrior Penthesilea. In this performance, portrayed by another phenomenal African-American singer who was based in Europe, Gail Gilmore. In this opera, Killebrew appears again in a cameo role as the high priestess. According to the Amazon Code of Conduct, a warrior is not allowed to fall in love with a man unless she has defeated him in battle. Penthesilea has been led to believe that she has indeed defeated Achilles. But then the high priestess appears to her and taunts her with the information that, indeed, Achilles defeated her and not the other way around. Hearing this, she flies into a rage, swearing vengeance upon Achilles, who has misled her, and slaughters him. When she returns to herself and discovers his body, she is deeply distraught, and then she is told she herself has performed the deed. We hear a little bit of Gail Gilmore at the top of this scene. She was one of those Zwischenfach singers who not only sang mezzo roles, and yes, Believe it or not, Penthesilea is designated as a mezzo role. She also performed many of Wagner's soprano roles in a full-throttle and highly exciting manner. There's a very grainy video available of this on YouTube, but even with a very bad quality picture, you can still see the deliberateness with which Gwendolyn Killebrew conducted herself on stage. This performance is from March 1986, on the stage of the Deutsche Oper am Rhein.
Just a reminder to my listeners that another phenomenal African-American singer was Fest at the Deutsche Oper am Rhein, the Verdi baritone Eugene Holmes. About a year ago, I did an episode on him as well, and I encourage you to look that up if you want to hear more phenomenal singing. Killebrew appeared in many of the major Verdi mezzo parts as well, Azucena, Quickly, and this role, Ulrika, in Un Ballo in Maschera. From just a day before that performance of Schirk's Pentesilea, we hear Killebrew once again on the stage of the Deutsche Oper am Rhein, singing Ulrika's incantation scene, Re dell'abisso affrettati.
one of the major focuses of Killebrew's repertoire was on contemporary work. She performed in operas by Wolfgang Fortner, Hans-Werner Henze, Karl Orff, Giselha Klebe, and many others. Unfortunately, I've had trouble tracing down recordings of these works, but I did find from the London Proms in the year 1978 a performance of Bernd Zimmermann's vocal symphony derived from his masterpiece, Die Soldaten. This is an enormously complex work in which multiple scenes often unfold at the same time. And in the excerpt that we're going to hear, that's exactly what is happening. The grandmother of the heroine Marie is singing a German folk song at the same time several other scenes unfold simultaneously. So in this recording, we hear as the anchor, if you will, underneath all of this, Gwendolyn Killebrew, and in other parts, we hear Edith Gabri, Barbara Scherler, Anton de Ridder, Claudio Nicolai, and Harald Stamm. Hiroshi Ragusaki, who led many performances of this opera, conducts the Rundfunk Symphonie Orchester Köln. i 
Gwendolyn Killebrew was bestowed many different awards. Her alma mater, Temple University, gave her an honorary doctorate in 1983. She became a Kammersängerin at the Deutsche Oper am Rhein in 1988, and in 2011, she was named an honorary member of the ensemble. Her final appearance there was as Bacchus in Offenbach's Die schöne Helena in 2009. Especially after her retirement, Killebrew was a devoted teacher. She taught voice and piano from her studio in Düsseldorf. She died on Christmas Eve in the year 2021 at the age of 80. In an obituary by Wolfram Goertz that appeared in the Rheinische Post a few days after her death, he said, and I translate, Wherever she appeared, she delighted the audience with the warm intensity of her singing, her exemplary role portrayal, and her intelligent approach to art. Over the years, the audience at the Deutsche Oper am Rhein's delight deepened into love. To round out the episode, I'd like to play my three favorite recordings of Gwendolyn Kilbrew. Well, Apart from the Waltraute, which I encourage you to look up, either in audio or video form, because that also is fantastic. But these three excerpts will further illustrate her versatility as a singer. First, in the mid-1970s, the Hungarian conductor Antal Dorati made a series of recordings of operas of Josef Haydn. These recordings set a benchmark that has yet to be equaled, though few of these works have established themselves in the repertoire. This was nonetheless an enormously important undertaking. On the recording of Orlando Palladino, Gwendolyn Killebrew appeared in the role of Alcina, and we will now hear her performance from that recording of the aria Ad un sguardo a un cenno solo. This is from the year 1976. Yeah. 
I believe that there's a lot of archival material of Killebrew floating around in the ether somewhere. But one of the very best performances of hers that I found was a concert performance under the baton of Seiji Ozawa of Berlioz's opera Beatrice et Benedict, based on William Shakespeare's Much Ado About Nothing. This performance was recorded and televised in the year 1977. And from that performance, I'm going to play the wonderful duet in which the two antagonists, Beatrice and Benedict, face off after a round of not-so-playful badinage. Each of the antagonists remarks to him or herself how much secret joy they take out of irritating their supposed enemy. As Benedict, we hear the Welsh tenor Stuart Burroughs. This is J'aurais trop de chagrin de vous désespérer, followed by the more frenetic music of Mais quel plaisir étrange, what strange pleasure I take in goading this person. Come on, come on. 
Thank you for joining me today in this traversal of the voice and career of the great African-American contralto Gwendolyn Killebrew. The closing selection that I offer you today is Gustav Mahler's setting of Nietzsche's ode, O Mensch Gib Acht, as it's heard in the fourth movement of his Symphony No. 3. A more complete contrast with the Berlioz can scarcely be imagined. Gwendolyn Killebrew possessed in her the full range of emotion to do justice to both the French repertoire, Berlioz, Ravel, and also Bizet's Carmen, which was central to her career, as well as the music of Wagner and, as we hear in this selection, Gustav Mahler. This recording was made in 1986 and features the Kölner Rundfunk Sinfonie Orchestra, led by the Bessarabia-born Israeli conductor Gary Bertini. This is one of the classic recordings of this work. Bertini's traversals of the music of Mahler are justly celebrated, as is Gwendolyn Killebrew's contribution to this recording. O man, take heed. What does the deep midnight say? I was asleep, asleep. I have awoken from deep dreams. The world is deep and deeper than the day imagined. Deep is its grief, joy deeper still than heartache. Grief says perish, but all joy seeks eternity, seeks deep, deep eternity.
My dear friends, keep the song in your hearts. I'm Daniel Gundlach.